0: all right good afternoon everybody uneducated economist here so i uh, haven't done a whole lot of interviews but i got a guest today nathan nathan is an expert within the mortgage industry and so i thought i would get some of his insight into the mortgage industry because we know how much we'd love to talk about housing and what's going on there so nathan please introduce yourself and let our viewers know what's uh
1: what's going on sure good morning thanks for having me so, I've been doing mortgages for about 15 years, gosh, my entire working career. Um, I started off, I did loan repurchases during the 07 08 crash. Basically, I reviewed defaulted loans um, for underwriting violations and fraud. And what we would do is we would take those loans and try and push those back on the people that originated them so we wouldn't have to eat that loss. Then I worked in loss mitigation. I did collections, so I did loan modifications, short sales, settlements, uh, negotiated payoffs, that kind of thing. I did um, legal queue, so litigation cases, uh, that kind of thing. Um, and I worked at more than one servicer, so I had a pretty good handle on um, how different shops operate. Um, I also worked on the investor side of mortgage for three years within um, servicing management. So most, so a servicer collects the payment, um, manages the call center, um, any foreclosure activity, that's all through the servicer. An investor isn't set up to do that. Um, And not all investors do things the same way. Um, So we can kind of delve into that. For the past eight plus years i've worked on the technology side so right now i do software for mortgage originators and i think i've had eight or nine different roles Um, and what's interesting these past couple of months you know when i started in my 20s my early 20s doing this we weren't in a normal rate environment and now i'm almost 40 and for the first time in my working life I have to work in a environment where the rates are normalizing so it's kind of where i am okay so
0: tell us a little bit um because everybody's kind of like you know everybody wants to know what's going to happen or what's happening so let's kind of rewind a little bit back and tell us what was happening in like say 2019 and then moving into 2020 and the pandemic so what was life like or what was your career like just before the pandemic and then Tell us like a little bit about like the reactions that you were having when the first, when the pandemic first kicked in.
1: So where I was life, life wasn't that bad. It was kind of business as usual. Um, COVID came and, you know, like a lot of places we pulled back a little staffing wise, cause we thought we were going to have a recession, but the opposite happened and, and then, you know, rates went down and everyone wanted to buy a house. So everyone needed mortgages. So we got busy and you know we had groups they were worried about losing their jobs and then it's like we don't have enough people um so 2020 2021 those were great years for me um where i work and now it oh
0: i was going to say so what you were anticipating was an incredible slowdown but quite the opposite Mm -hmm. happened oh yeah and people ran out there and took advantage of the low interest rates they were buying new buying their houses refinancing
1: but and people interesting. People wanting to work, work
0: from home, right? And people yeah. working from home finding that place. But something I found very interesting started to happen right there is that the forbearance kicked in. Mm-hmm. Now, explain that a little bit, because people just have this impression, it was just like, well, the banks say that we don't have to make our payment anymore. But the loan servicer is still continuing on, right? Yep. So the mortgage, so explain that a little bit to our viewers. Yes. Yeah.
1: So I have never done a pandemic (laughs) uh, forbearance, but I've done forbearances. basically the loan is still in place. They're just pausing the payments. And when you're, say you lose your job there, you call in and say, Hey, I want to take advantage of the program. I I forget what the name was. They would put you on a plan. It would be a zero payment plan. I'm assuming for most people. Um, And then when you were ready to make your payments, again, you would call them and they would modify the loan typically, or they would just resume the payments as it, revert back to the normal terms. That's what should be happening. Some people may have decided, you know, I'm one out of the property, or yeah, that that's a big question is what are their intentions? Do they want to stay there? Do they want to sell it? That kind of thing. Uh,
0: and so like when this sort of kicking in, as far as the forbearance. How did the servicers deal with this? Like, are, I mean, all of a sudden, all these people are stopped making their payments, but the servicer has to continue on with it. What was taking place right there? I mean, there must've been a lot of panic taking place within the uh, within the mortgage industry,
1: right? Honestly, I didn't see it. I didn't have that exposure. Um, and I, I have friends in service I, I, you i might want to delete this part out honestly no that's no, fine i don't have yeah a, if you don't like if, if you don't
0: get if you like if you honestly don't have an opinion on it just say it. I, I don't, I, I
1: don't, I, I, yeah i don't i didn't see any freak out um sure. but i i would assume you know at the end of that period they, they would put you on some sort of plan at the end they would just put you back on the normal terms Yeah.
0: Um, one of the things that I had found from the Federal Reserve and what they were talking about is that because of the amount of rolling over of the old debts into new Mm -hmm. debts from the mortgage backs, or I'm sorry, with the uh, mortgages of refinancing. And um, with that taking place, I guess that little operation gave enough fees to the mortgage Mm -hmm. servicers that they were able to take and stay in operation or at least make some income during this forbearance time. So generally- I'm not real familiar with it, but I read something about that coming from the Fed. So So
1: the servicers, they only get paid when someone makes their payment. Um, Most of the people that are at the servicing shops are dealing with the people that are in default in some form or fashion, whether that's foreclosure or you have people that, you know, make their payment 30 days late, you know, and they they can collect a fee. Um, What was I gonna say? but they should have a pretty good income on the people who just make their payments every month. The, so the servicer gets, you know, like a quarter or a third of a point of that percentage. So they should have been able to sustain their business models just on the people who pay consistently.
0: So they were able to still like, you know, basically stay in operation, maybe not yeah. just profit like they once were during oh, that yeah. time. Yeah. I could totally get that. So like what is happening now with like the the mortgage industry, like, I mean, it seems right now with the interest rates as high as they are that nobody wants to take out a loan. Is that the case? Is that is that what's happening?
1: So I, from my seat, probably around July, volume started to go down um, everywhere across mortgage. Um, I feel like is laying off. I have lots of friends in the industry. I, I feel like across the board, most places have had a thirty percent, twenty to thirty uh, percent layoff, just across the board. Um, uh, well, I'm thinking. gosh, what else? Yeah, hiring is paused. Yeah, it's it's weird. Mm-hmm. And we don't yeah. know what to expect. We don't know. I mean, our rates gonna go higher. Who knows? I think mm-hmm. they're gonna push up to about 8%. Just my opinion. You think 8% on that? Yep. Um, so where do you think like, um,
0: like, where do you think the mortgage backed security market is gonna go? Do you think like with the lack of new issuance of mortgages? that the pool of mortgage-backed securities might start to shrink. And if that does take place, would that actually create like a demand for these mortgage-backed securities that hasn't really been there when there was a flood of these things coming out? So basically, I guess where I'm getting at is that with Mm -hmm. less mortgage issuance taking place, will there be like a more of an investor demand coming to lesser of a pool of of availability out there? I'm just kind of wondering if you happen to see anything like that taking place
1: You know, I would love to know who's buying these. Um, It would be the Fed. They would step in and, you know, buy all those Fannie, Freddie, GSE, MBSs. Um, If it's a Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac deal, those are guaranteed by the government. So those trade more like a government treasury bond. Mm -hmm. Um, So the PLS market, I haven't done any research on in a long time. Um, But yeah, the GSCs will make sure that there's funding.
0: Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about the, uh, the issue that now seems to be coming up for a lot of these people from back during the great financial crisis, Mm -hmm. these loans are coming back to haunt them. So take us back there. What happened during the great financial crisis that set these people up?
1: So a couple things happened um people love to say oh subprime you know that in greedy banks and I'm like well it was stated income loans were what people forget about kind of like a credit card they weren't verifying people's employment so you would just say you know hey I work um you know I work at this store and I make this much money so you people were making blatantly lying on their loan applications um, and, and there were lots of instances where that happened. Um, and for certain borrowers, that makes sense. An example would be like a haunted house where you make all your money in one or two months a year, you needed that stated product. Cause it's really hard to prove your income. Or if you run a daycare out of your house, those situations, okay. It makes sense, but it was really being overused to qualify people. Um And it kind of underwriting got sloppy. I don't think anyone would really dispute that statement I just made. Um, one of the products that was out there was, if you go over 80% LTV, you need to have PMI. One of the things they did was you can get you, an 80% you get first.
0: The PMI is real quick for, for our
1: viewers. Yeah, so a regular conforming mortgage you could go up to 80% loan to value ratio. So if it's a hundred thousand dollar house, you can get an eighty thousand dollar mortgage. Um, if you need to go up to that hundred, you you could get PMI. And you know, um, there's a couple different MI companies, and that would, if you were to go into default, that would cover the lender. Um, so what they did to get around that was they were doing these 80-20 loans where you would have a first mortgage, and you would have a 20, and it could be like a 10 or a 15 as well. So you would have an 80% first mortgage and a 20% second lien. The second lien would be at a higher interest rate and pretty common, they would get sold to different investors. You could have a different servicer, super common. So when these loans started to go into default, um, it's usually when people went into default, they defaulted on both, right? it's very unlikely you would just choose to make payments on one. So the second lien servicer, they could do some checks and pull like a soft credit pull to see if you were making payments, but they would assume those borrowers, it it was iffy, right? So, um, in a lot of cases, if they, they couldn't make contact with that borrower or if the borrower wasn't cooperating, they would write those off from an accounting perspective. Um, They would still serve and not all servicers are equal. Some are really aggressive in their collection activities and some are weren't like they just wouldn't work those loans. Um, So is it possible? Yes, that there are second liens out there that the servicer just and the investor just said, let's just push those to the side and work on these loans over here where people are paying us to speak openly, we have loans where we can make more money on. Let's just ignore those. Um, and eventually for most of those borrowers, the first mortgage would foreclose. And from a title perspective, the second lien would get wiped out, right? And someone would eventually uh, check that at the servicer shop to just say, hey, this that property went to foreclosure. There's really no point in us even trying to collect on those mortgages. Now, there, there are exceptions, like there are different kinds of loans. Like, so was that a cash out refi? Uh, that kind of thing where maybe the lender might have some recourse. Um, but I I suspect what's happening like with that article is that person maybe they did refinance their first and maybe the second mortgage wasn't reporting on their credit even though it was out there um but i would imagine what happened was someone pulled a title report when they went to sell it or something or maybe they wanted to refinance again and they were like oh there's another lien on the property and then they call a second and they find (laughs) they find that second mortgage servicer and they figure out what they owe that way so this is this is a pretty like this can be actually pretty devastating to oh. to somebody
0: i mean you know here you are you you purchased your house back during the great financial crisis or maybe even before that you lost your job there was all kinds of restructuring things are happening there was like all this talk about mm-hmm. how they were going to have loans like you know just basically dissolved out of there where you didn't have to make payments and people were just like not even had no clue of what was taking place. And then all of a sudden, like this part of their bill, like almost like part of their mortgage, just essentially was stopping and asked for. Like they didn't even nobody was asking for it. And so they just assumed it must have just disappeared. But it didn't just disappear. Right. right? It's still it's still now they're coming back to hunt. And so much so like now this is the part that I'm kind of interested in is like not, not just like, why are they surfacing now? Or at least to the point that they're noticed, but is this something that like, say the mortgage servicers are trying to drum up like money because they're looking for it out there somewhere? Or is it just happens to be cleaning up something that just has taken this long to finally clean up? You know?
1: I, I suspect it's the latter. Yeah. Um, like when the free financial crisis came, the servicers didn't have staff. They didn't have people who were knowledgeable on the foreclosure process like their debt collection practice laws that they need to be trained on um and i mean it could take six months to learn the business and then another six to get good at it um so yeah it's very possible that uh someone kicked up some rocks and found some scorpions and i don't like are there bankers you know sitting in a conference room like you know which minority can we screw up screw over today i don't i don't know about that yeah yeah. i think it's just more people doing dumb stuff
0: this yeah i just finally kind of caught up with things so um now what do you think about the future i mean it's going to be a little bit tough here we kind of talked a little bit about going up to eight percent i'm still kind of curious on whether or not it can actually achieve that level before the uh before investors out there start seeing the uh, seeing that that might be the position in which that they want to take that fixed income from? Um, basically saying like, you know, the mortgage-backed security market has finally dropped enough that, you know, they'll start moving in. Um, like, I don't know what's going to take place, but you're in the industry. So what is it that you're feeling? I mean, are we got trouble times ahead oh, yeah. or do you feel that there's going to be, yeah, there's trouble- So I would,
1: time. one of the things I wanted to mention earlier, I, I have a client, they're a home builder, And when you take out a mortgage to buy a house so it can take a year to build a house so go back to that time frame for me things started to get volume started to fall off a cliff in july so those home builders they've got a pipeline so all those applications they started in the summer those are still live and those are deals in the pipeline that they're working on those are still at the lower rates right so probably around spring and summer of 2023 that's when the home builders are gonna run into trouble because they don't have new deals in the pipeline at these lower rates. That hasn't reared its head yet. I don't see people talking about that or know no, where I'm I'm looking at. So you're um, also
0: thinking like the inventory level, like for homes at that point? Or oh, Or just no. like the new, what do you?
1: That is the uh, sales pipeline for the home builders is what I'm referring to, is I think they're gonna start to, Run into problems spring and summer okay. um, is what I suspect. I think um, 2023 like for the is going
0: to. Like the preliminary sales that they have beforehand that gets them encouraged to go out there and build the homes, right? Okay. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it takes nine, 12 months to build that house. You start the process in July, you're still locked in in that rate. They may not get the keys and close for the last time until April. Um, so they, they've still got the home builders still have some deals in the pipeline, um, to where I think they're going to be okay for there. There's still a couple more puffs left. Um, but yeah, I, I think 2023 buckle up.
0: Yeah, um, personally, from from the building supply, because, you know, a lot of the viewers know that I work in building supply mm -hmm. for a living. I mean, I literally sell two by fours at a counter. I ring up, you know, I do retail sales, Um, things have slowed down dramatically. Now, we always anticipate that for this type of time of season, but it's like significantly like slow. That's happening right now from the builder standpoint and just from like the walking customer kind of thing. So I'm really like kind of curious to what's gonna happen here, like you're saying, in the next few months, as far as the inventory levels coming into, into the new starts. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if you wanna see inventory rise and you have to see new starts taking place, and this is where people are really cautious right now. And that's that's something that I'm kind of warning. like, you know, come next summer, what's gonna happen if we don't have new home builders starting right now, then you're not gonna have new inventory coming into the market. So I don't know, like that leads me to believe that the downturn in house prices may not be as dramatic as a lot of people are thinking. You know? Well,
1: I think a lot of these people that are in their houses with a low mortgage, they're going to stay. Um, and, you know, I, I think one thing to watch will be the war in Ukraine. Um, I think that's one of the reason they raised rates. Um, you know, if if Russia pulls out of Ukraine, maybe they'll, they'll stop pushing it but i think the fed's gonna keep raising it until something breaks it might be it'll be something we're not looking at right it'll be some country somewhere it'll be like a bank in kansas that's important or <laughs> it, it'll be something we're not thinking out but I, I i think they're going to keep raising it until something breaks mm-hmm. and yeah. I, I have no idea what that's going to be
0: right man yeah um. I honestly I think they're going to keep interest rates elevated I think they're going to slow down on the rate increases, but I don't think they're going to get much more above 5% like Mm -hmm. say five to five and a half percent. Um, I I honestly I think they're going to keep that maintained there for a while until they get an average 2% average inflation rate, whatever that is, I mean they'll make those announcement announcements then but uh, until then I kind of see elevated uh, interest rates on the mortgages and that's just going to keep the Uh-oh. whole housing market under pressure you know keeping it cool down um but i think with the lack of home builders and then like you're saying with the with the people who are in their homes right now with a low interest rate they won't want to give that mm-hmm. up to try and buy another mortgage at a higher interest rate so that's going to keep a lot of people like from putting their houses out there on the market so and, and buying know. a
1: new house for that new job somewhere else mm-hmm no i don't i don't hear people talking about that
0: yeah a lot of you know there's a lot of concern out there about you know the unemployment rising or the layoffs that are taking place out there so i think people are buckling up to try and like secure down and stay in place um that's going to be less big purchases taking place out there uh that's going to slow the economy down in my opinion i think really you know slow down is going to be like the ultimate theme coming into the next year, myself. It's mm. like nobody's going to want to do anything. They're not going to want to move. They're not going to want to build. They're not going to want to do anything but sit tight, and uh, that's not going to be good at all, you know, because it takes people of activity to move, you know, starting businesses and making purchases to to get the
1: economy rolling. So I mean, anyway, one, man, um, one thing that happened. I've been talking one thing I've noticed: the only big story to come out of the rate rises is the ftx collapse oh yeah um, i don't know if you've talked about that but that's i haven't a, talked much about it so if you want to go ahead and throw some oh, opinion about that
0: i would love to hear it it's a
1: wild story um but i, I think rising rates is, is what triggered all that um uh-huh. but i i think some hedge fund in the bahamas that's not enough <laughs> to stop the fed from raising rates so yeah
0: um you know i mean i look at a lot of these like i don't get excited about crypto exchanges Mm -hmm. like i've i've been i've been ripped off from a crypto exchange i've seen so many of them fail watching cryptocurrencies over the last 10 years i uh i don't get excited when i see when i see crypto exchanges fail um what does Kind of get me to think about though when I do see these major exchanges fall like this and you see the hundreds of billions of dollars or whatever it is that goes flying out the window um I forget what the total was on it. I know it was a lot but uh what gets me thinking about it is the regulations that then come from it you know the problem reaction solution that thing comes from the government saying hey look at all these problems that come from it we need to start regulating all these things and that in my opinion is not a bad thing like i like the Mm -hmm. idea of the government coming in and regulating this stuff and it's not so much that i think that the government should be having their fingers involved with it it's just that it brings that legitimacy to it and it's it or you know it makes it it makes it more of a mainstream thing that people can then start recognizing and using so i like the failure of of things like this like ftx um not for the hurting of people but for the actual like integration of like the the real thing coming in so people don't get hurt from these things um but something i think about like when these uh when these failures happen because a lot of people compared it to bernie madoff you know um some people made a lot of money Mm -hmm. trading in with ftx and trading with bernie madoff and mm-hmm. when they make this money, they make a lot of money. They make a good profit off of it and they pay taxes with that profit. You know, the government never gives that money back. They keep it. You know, so the biggest beneficiary from all these scams is the U.S. government.
1: You know? <laughs> uh, I think I think the technology behind uh, cryptocurrencies they, i think there's something there mm-hmm. will bitcoin be what i want to put money in or will that be the end all be all i i doubt it um you know in china they outlawed bitcoin so i mean yeah the feds could come in and say you can't use this stuff anymore yeah and then that's, that's not-
0: very true yeah um you know but i think about it also on a scale that bitcoin is a world currency and so you might get some nations to to outlaw it or ban it, or you know make rules that enforce people from from using it. But you really, there's no way of preventing it. I mean, you can make like you know you can regulate businesses that they can't use it or they can't you know facilitate any kind of trade with it if you're going to be part of their you know government entity or whatever like that. But you can't really stop an individual from participating in the uh, in the blockchain. And then on top of that, I also think like when you have something that people want and then you make it illegal, you really drive the value of it up. I mean, sex, drugs, you know, -hmm. and firearms, whatever it is, if you make laws against it and people want it, man, you really start increasing the price of it. So I, 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 but I do agree in the sense that I have no idea if Bitcoin is going to make it, but, uh, I think there is going to be a future for some sort of cryptocurrencies out there. Um, but again, it's just like which one it is, I don't know. And Bitcoin, yeah, it, it I'm neither here nor there on it, although I do buy Bitcoin,
1: you know. I own a small, like under $10 worth of Bitcoin <laughs> on my phone, but that's it. So right. full disclosure. Well, you gotta have some skin in the game yeah. if you really want to
0: understand <laughs> it, you know.
1: Right on, man. Um,
0: you wanna add anything? I mean man Well, I, is there anything you want to talk about for a little bit? I got we got a few minutes. or No, I'm know, I'm you trying to, to think.
1: Uh, yeah, and, and any questions, mortgages? I mean, uh, I'm happy to answer, pontificate. Yeah. How uh, can people reach you? Uh, email. I can I can throw my email. Yeah. Oh, you you have it. Feel free yeah, to put I'm that in there.
0: Go ahead and tell the yeah, viewers what your email is, and I'll put a link to it in the description as well. It's ndlobreck at gmail.com. Very well. So if you have any uh Mortgage questions or any questions about some of the things we talked about tonight, you know, go yeah. ahead and give Nathan an email and I'm sure he'll probably respond to it fairly quickly. I know he responds to my emails a lot faster than I respond to the, everybody else's, especially Nathan. So I appreciate you uh, you coming yeah. on to the show today and, uh, and talking with me for a little bit.
1: Yeah, yeah. All
0: right. Thank you very much, Nathan. Have a good afternoon. Thanks, Simon. You as well, man. Bye. Thank you. Bye.